votre quotidien. Hello and welcome to another episode of Urza's Radio. This is episode number 14. I'm one of your hosts, Morgan Hoke, and joining me as always is Kyle Wilcock. Hey guys, how's it going? Uh, today we're going to start our first episode of the month of November um, with our topic for the month of November. But first, Kyle, um, any uh, anything interesting recently in modern for you or just in general? Uh, yeah, the Star City Open was um, last weekend. And I watched some of that. There was some cool deck techs there, actually. I saw an Allies deck tech. Um, he was actually like 6-0 and or 6-1 and or something like that when, uh, when he did his deck tech. And he, he basically said that, you know, it needs a couple more Allies or whatever. But he was going to keep his eye out on the next set to see if the Allies were there. But he actually uh, put up some good results with an Allies deck. So I was pretty, I was pretty surprised. That's pretty impressive. Alright, it looks like he didn't crack the top eight. We got a green-red aggro in first. I think this is going to be... Oh. Oh, my. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. It was like a oh zoo, my. just like straight-up zoo. Yeah, oh, my. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was basically a straight-up zoo build, trying to get a bunch of guys out. Tarkas commanding uh, to for the win. Just, you know, chaining Burning Tree embassies together to the point where you can get a Tarkas command going and... You know, pump your entire team. That seems pretty good. Yeah, you can easily get so you can get so much damage out of a Tarkus command, right? Like it's two mana, and if you can cast it and get you know five damage out of it. Oh yeah. Like they, they were talking on the stream like that. It's basically at that point just better than Tribal Flames, like full domain. That's it's absurd. Yeah, like a two mana for anything like five damage plus like that's such an insane amount of value from that card. So it's basically just trying to abuse that card as much as possible, you know, trying to push six, seven, eight damage out of it, and, you know, yeah. I'm really curious about the lack of Become Immense and the lack of Teamer Battle Rage, um, because this seems to be doing a lot of the same things that the Atarka Red Dex Standard are doing, and you, maybe you just don't need it, but I feel like just the ability to go over the top with one of those two cards would be great. Yeah, um, Become Immense, I, I could see running one or two of those. Um, I don't see how much they're planning on their stuff dying, right? Like, yeah. they, I think they're really trying to... Uh... Well, so Vexing Devil's probably going <laughs> to die 80% of the time. Um, yeah. Mutagenic Growth is free. Lightning Bolt's one mana. Like, your spells are really cheap. And if you get to the late game, you pretty much lost, right? So... Yeah, no, I, I could definitely see including one. Maybe where that Vines of Vastwood is. Maybe yeah. Maybe um, a... Because I can't... I, I really, and stuff. Yeah, I really don't think you're going to get to a, a position where... That Vines Vassal that Dismember is going to swing the game. Let's just go all in. Let's make it a combo. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, uh, but yeah, so that's what took it down. That's crazy, though. That, that deck is sweet. Gorkland Rampager in the sideboard. I'm honestly surprised that's not main. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm actually surprised that's not main, too. But I think it's, you know, usually the best for just getting through for trample damage. Yeah. Uh, so if your opponent's not really playing a creature-based deck, it's kind of like a, a dead card, I, I, I guess. You're only getting four damage for your two mana when you're playing damage. a Tarkus right. Command. It does like, open you up for massive, like, two-for-ones, but... Yeah, that's you, so... There's no, um... Uh, well, Kessig Wolf run in the deck either, which is interesting. Normally, this mm -hmm. kind of deck, you, you expect to see that. Well, he's only running 20 lands, uh, so it's yeah, kind of Just for the, the trample, though? The just lands. the trample activation? Yeah. Let's say you're Hellbent. Yeah, I can, I can definitely see that. I also like four Eidolon of the Great Revel in this deck. Oh, yeah, like, that's spicy. You're taking so much damage yourself, but you're just like, eh. I'm just going to win. It doesn't matter. 
So. Uh, he's got uh, red, running volleys, I guess, against twin. Yeah, I makes think sense. that that's like almost a staple in red sideboards now. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, so. Elves cracked the top eight. Yes, they did. Um, four yeah. Shaman of the Pack. I cannot in, get behind. All in on Shaman of the Packs. They were basically just flooding the board as much as they possibly no, could. No white splash at all. Just getting there with... Yeah, I, I really can't condone what this guy's doing. He's just trying to flood the board as much as he possibly can and go from there. So, yeah. Apparently, I mean, we can't say the deck's just, like, flat out bad. No, I, I mean... top-aided, but I definitely can see why you don't like this deck very much. So, I've played this deck quite a bit, and I've I've got some friends who played the deck, and, and we've all talked about the deck and talked about the deck and talked about the deck. What we can't agree on is the number of Dwayne's Elite to play. I believe that one is correct. I have a friend who swears at four, and I have some other friends who swear at zero. And I lean toward the zero end of the spectrum on that. He's playing two. I can get behind that. What we all universally agree on is that Shaman of the Pack is not a four of. The Shaman of the Pack is at most a one of. And um, maybe another one on the sideboard. But this guy, I mean, he did well. So props to him. He really wanted that Shaman of the Pack. I guess he's just like, I'm going to drain you, and I'm going to not go for the combo kill. Um, but he's got three Azuri, so I, I just I just really don't understand this this plan. There's Shaman of the Pack is just so bad so much of the time. And you mean he has nothing to really protect him guys from board wipes, like Anger of the Gods, Pyroclasm, anything like that? Yeah, so, so I guess like like best case mentality here, you flash in a Shaman of the Pack in response to a Pyroclasm and hope to get there? Like, I, yeah. I don't understand the logic. Maybe yeah, um, Richard Drummer, if you're out there listening to this podcast, <laughs> I would love to hear your thoughts because... Yeah. You're doing something very, very different from what I would advocate, and you did very well with it, so I have to respect that. Um, in the sideboard, I, I like that the black opens up Abrupt Decay. I think that's a really strong card for the deck to get access to. Eyeblight mm-hmm. Massacre, also very strong. Um, a little overcosted for modern, I, I would think, at four mana for not a true board wipe, but yeah. pretty cool card. Fauna Shaman doesn't make sense to me as a sideboard card. Um, like, I don't know what matchup you're ever bringing this in. Um, again, like, obviously did well, so he might know something I don't. But yeah, I think this is just trying to use it as, like, his fifth chord, so maybe when maybe a matchup like a, where you really want to find your Elvis Champion or your Reclamation stage. So the problem I have with that line of reasoning, which, granted, I, I imagine that's probably what he's doing, the problem I have with that line of reasoning is that, so the matchups where that really matters are, like, attrition-based matchups where you're going to have a lot of trouble getting the right cards to stick. Mm-hmm. And really, really fast matchups where you need the right card at the right time. Yeah, and this is neither. Fauna Shaman is neither resilient (laughs) nor fast. So it's just never going to be effective. And you're only playing one. 100% agree. Yeah, every time I play Fauna Shaman, it's usually overwhelming. Granted, if it sticks, it's always fun. It's kind of like when I'm playing Affinity and you have uh, Steel uh, Overseer. The card is amazing, right? It It pumps your entire team forever, but you never get to untap with it. I mean, even if you do, you usually start going to, like, Value Town, mm-hmm. but... Well, and this, I don't think, even has as much value as that does. Because it requires you to have cards in your hand. It requires right. you to need something specific. Mm-hmm. And it requires you to have extra mana to do stuff with. Yeah, no. Which it's the deck struggles with. And that it survives a turn. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it, it definitely asks a lot of you. It, yeah, I... I don't like the card that much. But. I, I, I understand mainboard, but I really have a hard time sideboard with this. Gotcha. Um... Because I, I can understand Temptation Mainboard because it's like it's repeatable court calling, and if it dies, okay, whatever. But. Right. No, I can see um, that. Um, but yeah, so other decks that um, 
made the top eight. I mean, it was like Burn, Zoo, Tron. In fact, in fact, yeah, Angular I love Bloom. In fact. Um, yeah, I mean, most of them I looked through them earlier this week, and they were all pretty standard. Um, but yeah, it was a very diverse, diverse meta, and added the the allies deck tech. So I'm sure that they uploaded it if you want to uh, check out that sometime. In the top 16, though, there were some interesting decks for sure. We got a Bubble Hulk deck. Yes. Yes, the uh, the Hulk Footsteps deck is just listed here. Um, this is a very interesting deck, and I feel like one of the most complicated combo decks to like play through your combo. Um, like it, it, It's a combo that uses like five cards. And the graveyard. And the graveyard, and but it's like still good enough sometimes to get there and it's yeah. i've only in my entire life probably played against this deck twice um so i think it it uses a lot of obscurity to try to win as well it's also just got a lot of power and a lot of resiliency like unless you can nuke the graveyard repeatedly they've got a lot of redundancy as opposed to something like gristle cannon mm-hmm. or um or gristle brand or whatever or yeah. Rishol brand yeah this has a lot more redundancy and a lot more ability to continue to go off once its main pieces get countered. But it, it really needs the graveyard to go off. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. If you if you can nuke the graveyard, uh, this this deck loses to Line of Sanctity. This deck loses to Rest in Peace. Mm-hmm. Um, so how does this deck work? So you've got Protean Hulk, which is, you know, of the Flash Hulk fame. Um, when Protean Hulk is put into a graveyard from play, search your library for any number of creature cards with total CMC of less than six... And put them into play, and shuffle your library. And we got Footsteps of the Groyo. Return target creature card from your graveyard to play, sacrifice it at the end of turn. So what you do is you get a Protean Hulk in your graveyard, you cast Footsteps of the Groyo, that returns Protean Hulk to play, it sacks it at the end of turn, and what do you get? You get uh, Rebel Arc for 5, and a Mog Fanatic for one. I think um, Mog, Fanatic, get... Mog Fanatic's the uh, last one. Oh, you're right. You get, you, a, you get out. You get a Rebel Arc... And what, Eviscerous? Actually, the first time, I believe you get uh, Body Double. Body Double. Oh, Body Double and, and Viscerous, Viscerous here. here. Then you sack, you make Protean Hulk a copy, or Body Double copy of Protean Hulk, sack it to Viscerous here, get back Revel Arc, Mog Fanatic. Yeah, and then sack Revel Arc to get back your Body Double, which is like whatever, or basically whatever you need. At that point, you can. You can, uh, I see. Yes. Yeah. You, you use your you change your body double to being Revel Arc, and you just like loop Revel Arcs. So I've watched this go off, and I'm still confused. Yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, this is one of the most complicated like combo decks to watch go off because like they're using this card. Now it's copy of this. Now it's copy of this. Now it's copy of this. And there's like going around, and it's it's so crazy, but it's you know it's interesting. And then you got the transformational sideboard with um, Grave Titan. Through the breach, Emrakul the Aeus Torn, and you're just like, yeah, I can just kill you with this. Yeah, and I mean, they run two through the breach's main board because like it also does the same thing for Flash Hulk, right? Like, yeah, you play it and sack it at the end of turn. Yeah, um, so it's like their fifth and sixth footsteps. But yeah, then you can put an Emrakul and just you know just win. become Emrakul yeah. breach deck and and win that way. So it's it's very interesting. It's very it's very fun to watch it play. I think this is kind of a newer deck in the modern metagame, and I think it's one to watch. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's been it's, it's been around for a, a while, but it's might it's, be. It, I think it's better positioned now. Maybe. Well, yeah, and I think that like there's not a lot, any new cards here, but I, I think that it's something that takes a lot of tuning and a lot of like like strategery, mm-hmm. and I think that is something that's just now people are starting to pick up. Yeah. yeah. No, also, two Tigem scheming because that card is super cool. <laughs> <laughs> card. Yeah. All right. Um. 
some scape shift going on. We got uh, we did not have a. No, there was there was no uh, through the through the not through the breach. Nah, bring to light. Bring to there light. There were no bring to lights. There were no bring to lights in the back. I checked that out as well. So that's too bad. Yeah, but overall, it was, you know, it was fun to watch. So yeah, I mean. Great to get some modern coverage. Um, Jace did break the top 64, so that's cool. There were actually quite a few Jundex I saw running uh, Pure and Kira. Um, yeah, that's... That was a thing that was... Happening. I think that's some really sweet tech. Yeah. They were doing a good job of killing stuff with uh, his ability. Sacking the Thropters and and uh, blowing up creatures. So, yeah. No, it, it definitely did work. Saw them, like, Culligan's commanding it back and, like, replaying it and all this stuff. And it almost looked like standard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was definitely modern. Or maybe standard just looks like modern right Ooh. now. Ooh, there we I go. <laughs> all right, so that was the Star City Games event uh, this week. So that brings us to our main topic. So for the month of November, um, we're going to be talking about Deck Splinter Twin. As I try to go from a zero to hero, I try to go from a novice with the deck... To someone who um, is not terrible at the deck, <laughs> and we try to do this set in, that bar high. <laughs> yeah, we try to do this in a timely manner because we have a tournament in December, the Star City Games Invitational Las Vegas, uh, that I'm going to play in, and I'm going to play Splinter Twin, and I'm going to hope to not suck, which is uh, again really high bar. I'd really like to day two. I haven't day twoed anything ever before, and uh, this is my first pro level event, so I'd like to start strong. Yeah. I do want to take a moment. Um, on the show, we haven't taken a lot of stances. I mean, we, we talked about cards that we think are terrible, cards that we think are good. I, I do want to take a moment and just express, um, I think, Kyle and mine's uh, shared disappointment that the Star City Game Circuit has uh, sort of chosen to move away from the Pacific Northwest. I know that, you know, at least for me, it's pretty sad because Star City is huge. They do great work on their on their series, and it kind of feels like they're turning their back on a very vibrant and large community, and it's really a shame. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And the good news, though, is I have seen um, talks and you know, quite a few serious talks that Card Kingdom is going to try and pick up a lot of the slack and start hosting yeah. 1Ks and 5Ks and maybe some bigger tournaments um, and try to try to draw some more people from around the Pacific Northwest. Do more coverage too. Yeah, and, and do some more coverage. And I know, like, if you've been to their stores, a lot of their stores are set up to do coverage, and they already do stream a lot of their stuff. Um, so hopefully yeah. they'll pick up the slack, you know, fill the hole that that uh, Star City Games left. But basically, Star City Games had a series of unfortunate announcements between that their lack of like legacy support, yep. um, removing cash payouts from their day two tournaments. Yeah, it was just really. Like, uh, it was just. All bad news. There was like nothing good to. So, and if you're you know a serious Magic player, that's a huge thing because I mean that, that was, it was the Pro Tour and the Star City Games Circuit, and it was really hard to transition from one to the other. Like mm-hmm. your your stuff didn't carry over, and now your stuff will carry over a little bit better. But the rewards at the Star City Tournament, and just the the variety you used to be able to get is just so much diminished. But especially for us Pacific Northwest players, it's just really a shame to see them turn their backs on us like this. Um, that said, I, I was at Car Kingdom on Monday, and uh, the TO and a couple of guys who worked there came in. And they said, "All right, we have an announcement." This was during the Legacy thing. Um, we are announcing that we will, are going to have a Legacy 1K series. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to m- make ourselves part of the new Wizards series programs, nice. and um, we don't have dates to announce yet. This was all decided that Monday because Monday was when the announcement was, and uh, you know, so it's really great to see them trying to step up and fill the void, but. 
and uh, Card Kingdom does a great job organizing events. Like all. Oh yeah, their events are great. Events I've, I've always posted. had yeah. great yeah. experience. Yep. So hopefully that'll that'll be good. So back to our main topic, which is Twin. Um, so this week uh, is the first week of Twin Month. So I think I'm going to talk about where our starting point for the deck is, kind of how Twin works, what some of the matchups are, and then um, I've had a couple weeks to actually play the deck. And where I'm at at the end of a couple weeks of trying and failing to play Twin successfully. Yeah, that right. sounds good. So where we're starting is we're starting with the BBD uh, Brian Brondoin's list from Grand Prix Oklahoma City. And the reason we're starting there is because that was a huge, huge event that the deck placed second, so did really well. So that means it had to play a very diverse metagame, uh, had to beat Jank, play... You know, tons of rounds of magic. Lost and... the lantern control. <laughs> lost the... <laughs> oh, that was the most unfortunate thing. I'll surgically extract your Misty Rainforest. Yeah. I'm actually playing a slightly different land base. I'm playing, you know, all blue fetches, but I'm playing um, three uh, Flood Strand and a Delta just because my Misties are in a different deck and I didn't feel like getting them out, and it doesn't matter because they're all blue fetches. Right. Um, yeah, so that's where we're starting. Oh, and I'm not playing a, a Stomping Ground, actually. Now that I look at this, I'm actually playing a couple different cards. I'm playing a Breeding Pool over that Stomping Ground, and I can get into that in a little bit. And I'm actually playing four Steam Vents. I must not have looked at his mana base. His mana base is not good. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm playing his list. I've never had mana issues, for the record. Like, I'm, I'm saying his mana base I, I disagree with, but... I'm playing all of his cards. I've never had mana issues because the mana in this deck is so forgiving. Like, yeah, I mean, you're playing super two forgiving. colors. I'm playing so. two colors. I'm playing three colors of mana. Right. Not an issue. All right, so uh, looking at his list, this is an all-in blue-red Delver list. Or blue, sorry, blue-red twin list. Uh, it's four deceiver, It's uh, four scaly, you know, eight blue fetches, four island, three steam vents, three sulfur falls, two desolate lighthouse, a cavern, a stomping grounds, and a mountain. I'm playing a breeding pool over the stomping grounds. I'm playing three steam vents. I'm not playing four. Maybe I'm playing four. I might be playing one too many land. No, I'm not. I'm playing 60. Yeah, it all works out. Cool. Um, yes. Sorry. I don't have the deck in front of me. I just have his list. I'm playing three steam vents. I'm playing one breeding pool over a stomping ground because I find the red is not as intense as the blue is. Um, and being able to get it all off blue fetches is nice. Yeah, it actually surprises me that he even ran the stomping ground when it can only be fetched with... Oh, I guess he's, he's running uh, Mr. Rainforest instead. Yeah, Mr. Rainforest can hit that. That is why. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't feel like it matters a ton. I have never had trouble getting N red. Uh, with three Sulfur Falls and three Steam Vents in the deck, it's just not been a problem. No, it ma- that makes sense. I mean, I, I think it's a, such a minute point that it yeah. doesn't really matter. I'm playing four Steve Rexark, four Snapcaster Mage, two Pestermite, and a Vidillion Clique. Uh, four Serum Visions, four Remand, uh, four Lightning Bolt, three Dispel, two Electrolyze, two Cryptic, a Twisted Image, a Spell Snare, a Roast, and four Slumber Twins. So backing up, let's look at the creature li- the creatures for this deck. He's playing four Deceiver Exarch, four Snapcaster Mage, two Pestermite, and one Videlia Clique. So what does that mean he thinks about his game plan? That means he thinks about his game plan that he is going to win with the combo more times than he wins with anything else. And the reason that we know that is because he's playing four Deceiver Exarch, two Pestermite. So, Deceiver Exarch is a terrible, terrible attacker in the deck. Very it's bad. only really good as a tempo play to like tap something down, or to, to, to block, or to go off. The things that you're blocking, um, in general, in modern, the first couple turns, maybe Deceiver Exarch's good enough. Once you start talking about 4-5 Tower Boys, once you start talking about 4-5 Taskers and 5-5 five, five Garmag Anglers, once you start talking about anything out of Tron, um, you know, so that's everything out of Jund, Junk, Tron... 
it just starts to look embarrassing. Mm-hmm. So it's not even a great blocker. Um, two Pastormite. So these are died removal a lot, which is why he doesn't have them in the deck. So if I'm going to combo off, these just died removal quite often. Because um, the Seafrax Arc will survive a Lightning Bolt, which is the most played removal spell in the format. Um, but Pestermite has the advantage of being a fantastic attacker. Two power, evasion, get in all day. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he's de-emphasizing that portion of the deck means that, at least in my opinion, this is a deck that thinks it's going to combo more often than not. Agreed. Yeah, and I think the blue-red versions usually are a lot more combo-focused. Because, I mean, the reason they normally add another color is to play cards like Tarmogoyf or you know, some uh, zombie fish. Yeah. Um, so that they can you have a clock that's not their combo. And I think that that's the strength of the deck. Um, it's very consistent. It's very good at finding things to do. Um but as we'll get to in a second, I'm not sure that this is the, the this deck in general is the correct configuration to go on that assumption that you're going to always find your combo. Mm-hmm. And I'll explain that in a little bit. Um, he's only playing one Vidalian Clique. Now, that's actually pretty common. I've seen one, I've seen two. Um, that just reinforces my point that he's not on the beatdown plan, because that's the best beatdown creature in the deck. Yeah, um, the highest it, power card you have. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and it's also um, his only source of information, which means that he's confident that he's not going to need to know the contents of his opponent's hand. Right. Um, that's bold. Yeah. Right? If, you th- if you stop to think about that for a minute, that means that I'm going to, to, to win with this relatively fragile combo, and I'm not going to care about anything that you have to do, mm-hmm. is what he's saying with that creature list. Um, so... Well, let's continue through the, through the instant sorceries. I'll, I'll explain why I'm not sure that this is the correct configuration deck to make that assumption. So we've got four, four Serum Visions. Um, fantastic card selection. This That's is probably the, the, probably the best deck for Serum Visions in the format, I think. Yeah, uh, agreed. Four Remand. Uh, great tempo play. Uh, draws a card. We've been through Remand before. We have, um, and it is actually... Again, I would say probably the best deck in the format for this card. I would agree. Like, we just need turns, and we will win if we get, like, a couple turns in a row. Right. Four Lightning Bolt. This might be the best Lightning Bolt deck in the format. Um, more games than not, I've closed out with Lightning Bolts and Snapcaster Mages. You can do so much damage. And, I mean, even watching this uh, this GP coverage that he was playing this deck in, he took his opponent down from 15 by casting five Lightning Bolts. Um through a series of, of cards. So... Yeah. <laughs> Three Dispel. I think uh, Modern is getting to a point where Dispel is very good. I'm going to get back to that card because I have a point to make with that. Uh, two Electrolyze. Electrolyze is phenomenal in this deck because it is so often a two-for-one against some of your hardest matchups. Yeah. Electrolyze is phenomenal in this deck because it is so often a cantrip when you so desperately need to find another card. Electrolyze is terrible in this deck because it costs three mana. Yeah. Three mana is a lot to ask for here, um, but the potential of making you know the blowout of killing two of your guys and drawing a card, like that that ceiling is really high. And, yeah, and the in the floor really is usually like kill a thing, draw a card, yeah, or like deal two damage to shock you, draw a card. Yeah, and I, I think I think that it is costed correctly. Um, I wish it cost one less playing the deck, but playing against the deck, I think it's costed correctly. Yeah, I think that if it was two mana, it would just be insane. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think it's costed correctly, but it is a three drop, and that is like, it's something that you can't, you know, if you're like digging for an answer or something like that, normally like Electrolyze just costs so much mana that it feels bad when you're trying to like cantrip into something. Yeah, like that. absolutely. 
Uh, two cryptic command. This card is a workout horse. This card has bought me. So there's two in the deck. That means you can cast it four times. I have legitimately bought four turns off of the back of these two cryptic commands in, yeah. in tournament play. Yep. Card is a house. It does everything, and it is probably the best card in your deck. That said, I think two is the correct number. Mm-hmm. You could talk me into three, but I think it's just a little too mana intensive, a little too color intensive, and um, it just makes it awkward when you need to be doing other things. When you're casting cryptic command, most of the game you're not able to do that while advancing your own game plan. Um, so, but, I mean, as far as, like, fogs go, it's the best fog I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And as far as counterspells go, it's a pretty strong counterspell. Right. I think, I think Twin really likes Cryptic Command because, like, a lot of Cryptic Command decks, you're, you're casting it, you know, tap down your team, draw a card, tap down your team, draw a card. You're not really, like, like you said, advancing your board state. Yeah. Um, and you're not going to, like, win. You're basically just delaying you're the inevitability. Um, but a deck like Twin, um... You can just win by comboing, right? Like you just you just win. Like you're mm-hmm. you're from behind. You have assembled two cards and you won the game. And cryptic command is really good at this because if you hit like six mana, um, you know you cryptic command tap down their team. You, you, you cryptic command. You're 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 at six mana basically. Mm-hmm. You can cast your uh, deceiver exarch or pestermite, untap your land, cryptic command, mm-hmm. and then the next turn play your. Uh, your twin and just win, right? Like you can actually win with yeah. cryptic command in this deck, whereas in most times you're you know putting too much resources and casting cryptic command every turn, you're not actually going to win. Right, absolutely. Uh, we have a twisted image. Um, that card basically says kill target spell skite. It does other things, but that's really what it's in the, the deck for. Mm-hmm. A spell snare, a roast, and four splinter twin. Splinter twin obviously needs no explanation. So I wanted to touch on the dispels, and I wanted to touch on why I don't think this is the best shell for always finding your combo on time. So the dispels are great in, in this kind of meta that we're at, where we're playing in a very dispel-oriented meta. And what I mean by that is that everybody's playing dispel. Like, it's in a lot of main boards right now, and that's something that we haven't really seen before in Modern's past. I think the reason is there are a lot of instances that we care about dealing with right now. Like, we care about dealing with Lightning Bolt, okay... You're an even mana parry trade. That's fine. We care about dealing with counter spells. All right. So, why would we care about that now when we wouldn't normally? And I think the answer is we're seeing a resurgence of these blue decks. We're seeing these blue Jun decks. We're seeing these blue um, Grixis decks. And we're seeing you know Twin being a huge thing. Mm-hmm. And Dispel is a card that breaks a lot of that wide open because one of the primary methods of interaction that these blue decks have is via counter magic, and this basically trumps that. And then Dispel is great countering Dispel, mm-hmm. so it, it advances your game plan. Um, there's a lot of removal that is um, more catch-all-y than normal. We have a lot of Terminates floating around now. Dispel is great at countering Terminate. Um, Kyle, kind of, what are your... Do you, why, why, why do you think we're seeing a lot more Dispel now than normal? Um, so I think you know you, you really hit the nail on the head when you said there was a lot of instants going around. Like A lot of control decks are raising in popularity. Um, very early in the past, um, control was like something that didn't really exist in modern, but mm-hmm. Grixis control has made an appearance and is starting to, you know, post results. Um, and I think in this deck specifically, he has so many dispels. Because you mentioned he was running one Vendillion click and wasn't relying on a lot of information. Like, he, that was his only way of getting information from his opponent's hand. And instead of using information to see if the coast is clear, he's going to jam his combo and just have dispels to stop any disruption that could happen yeah. from that. So his idea is more of like, instead of having like taxing probes here to like find my, you know, like t- to 
find my combo faster or something, I'm going to use these three dispels to just protect my combo so that I only have to find it once. And I think you just hit the nail on the head and you got to my second point, which is that this is not the best build of this deck for finding the combo. The only real um, card selection we have is our four Serum Visions and, and, and our two Desolate Lighthouses. Now, a lot of decks play one Desolate Lighthouse. This is playing two, and I think the reason is it's trying to compensate for the fact that there's no Sleight of Hands, there's no Gitaxian Probes, there's no Peaks. Right. Our, our, all of our cards that dig us cards cost two or more mana. That's really awkward. They're all related to interaction. That's also really awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're not drawing as many cards as a lot of the Splinter Twin decks that we've seen. Right. And with only four Splinter Twins in the deck, and with that being our really our only way to win, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of hard. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I think that you know he's, he's using the Desert Ice Houses in place of uh, like taxing probes, basically trying to find his combo, and then he only wants to find it once. So he is yep. using as much stuff as he can to protect it. And the thing about Desolate Lighthouse that I'm, I'm finding difficult, um, and I'm not playing the card 100% correctly, so, I'll, so full disclaimer, I am not playing this deck particularly well yet. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still very much in the learning phase, but I'm finding that the four mana it takes to activate Desolate Lighthouse is three and then tap this, so four, we're taking four mana offline. It was a really hard thing to commit to. Um, like I, even at my opponent's end step doing this, I feel like they might have a response or they might be able to flash something in. And you know, maybe I need more of a crutch. Maybe I need something like peak to help me feel more mm-hmm. comfortable, comfortable there. And maybe it's just me being paranoid because I know that I want to play in response to the Desolate Lighthouse activation. But uh, it's really hard for me to to consider tapping out there. So if you look at his list, though. He he's running his, so he he doesn't have much in the way of counters. He has four remands and three dispels mm-hmm. and like the spell snare, but he's not running mana leaks notably noticeably right. here um, or spell pierce and, or spell pierce. <clears throat> and I think that the dispels are more for protecting yourself instead of stopping your opponent, mm-hmm. um, you know, from advancing board states and stuff. So what his idea here is is that he's going to tap out for his desolate lighthouse. But he doesn't have any counter magic to actually play at the end of their turn early anyway. Mm-hmm. Right? So he's like. Yeah, they can do what they're going to do. I'm trying to find my combo a lot faster and just win that way. And he also, you know, has like a main board roast. So he's going on like the removal plan, like four lightning bolts. He's got these snapcasters um, and like a twisted image to remove some spell skies and stuff. So I think his idea is more of being reactive and like, I'm sorry, like proactive, like killing the things you know, yeah. that come down instead of reacting to his opponent. Um, so he's letting his opponent do his thing and then killing them versus stopping his opponent from doing his thing, which is like the two versions of control. It's basically the the balance of counter between between counter and kill, right? So, so yeah, I, I understand that's probably what he's trying to do. My question is, is that good enough? Does he have good enough removal to do that? I mean, obviously it worked for him, but he's BBD. He's one of the best players yeah, in that. He's a very right? good player. Yeah, he and just you know just watching him play this deck he does a great job um i, I mean i watched this this gp coverage back uh in september i think when this was and i i you know i there's also a play that distinctively rem- i remember that he made a mistake and he, i mean he still ended up winning the game but you know the commentators are like oh this guy you know, he missed this play um and i think there, i remember the play being like he didn't bounce his twin with his cryptic command um his opponent tapped out for something and he had a twin on a snapcaster and he had a Pestermite in play. So if he used his Cryptic Command to bounce his twin, he could just, on his turn, put it on his Pestermite. His opponent was tapped out. There's nothing his opponent could do and just win this, win on the spot. But basically what I'm saying is that, like, 
you know, BBD is a great player and constantly, you know, putting up top results in the G- or in the GPs and Star City Opens, and he makes mistakes in this deck as well. Yeah. This is not an easy deck to play by any stretch of the imagination. This is, quite honestly, the hardest deck I've ever played, and it feels like one of the most powerful decks I've ever played. Every, every card in my hand feels amazing, but... Yeah. I mean, I except think, for Deceiver X Heart. You normally right. see a couple twin um, matchups. Like, normally you don't see, you know, twin, 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 twin in the top top eight or anything like that. I think that it takes a very skilled player who is extremely familiar with their deck to take this up to the top. I think it takes a lot of a lot of practice, a lot of reps to get into this deck. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm I'm just at the beginning of this journey. So in his sideboard, he's got a Roast, a Running Volley, two Pyroclasm, two Ancient Grudge, a Teferi, a two Jace, Architect of Thought, two Karen, excuse me, Karanos, a Negate, a two, one Grim Lava Minster, two Blood Moon. Um, so in here, I like the second Roast. I love the Rending Volley. It's great in the mirror. Um, the two Pyroclasm, I think they should just be Anger of the Gods. I, I've tested with the Pyroclasms. I've tested with the Anger of the Gods in their, their places. The Pyroclasms are great against Affinity, but really bad against a lot of the other fast aggro matchups. Um, notably, Merfolk, which is a very difficult matchup for this deck. Surprisingly difficult matchup for this deck. Pyroclasm is terrible, and Anger of the Gods does a lot of work. Um, and, same thing with Elves. Yeah, and we just talked about the uh, the Zoo deck that took down the Open last weekend. And basically it was running Curd Apes, Wild Lakotles, um, basically all of these three toughness creatures. Oh, yeah. That, like, they're just going to laugh at Pyroclasm when you cast it, and then you're going to die. <laughs> and I'm really not finding Triple Red to be all that difficult, even without the Stomping Grounds. Right. I'm finding Triple Red to be pretty attainable pretty often. And Anger of the Gods also has the upside of exiling. So, like we were talking about the Zoo deck, if, you know, maybe you're playing the Zoo deck version that ran a couple of the... Um, uh, the what become immense there we go oh, yeah. sorry um you're ending up with become immense and well you're exiling all their creatures that died so they're not helping with their become immense oh, yeah. and, and things like that are also you know small upsides that you get with uh anger of the gods yeah for sure uh two ancient grudge great in the affinity matchup great in a lot of matchups just uh, a lot of power also noted this is why there's the single green source in the main boarded lands yep is for flashing back this card a Teferi basically wins you the mirror. Great against Grixis Control. Great against anything, any other blue deck, essentially. Um, yeah. yeah. Counter-heavy decks just laugh, you know, fold, basically. It's fine <laughs> against... It's, it's actually fine against Jund, like, because this this stops Abrupt Decay in its tracks. Like, Abrupt Decay just isn't a card you have to play around if you've got a Teferi. Right. Um, although, I don't know if I've ever sideboarded it against Jund, but I think I might start. Um, two Jace, Architect of Thought... This is a card that I see a lot of twin players recommend, and I have not been able to wrap my head around. I played a lot of this card, Model Blue Devotion Standard. Um, the problem I have with it is that it's just one mana too many, I think. So you're, you're at four mana, two blue. The two blue, it's trivial to get two blue. The plus one doesn't stop Affinity very well, it doesn't stop Merfolk very well. It's okay against the beatdown plan of Elves, but if Elves combos off, it's not very good. Jund, like... So it's a three four Tarmogoyf instead of a or it's a three five Tarmogoyf instead of a four five Tarmogoyf. I guess to see if Arcsark blocks it, that's relevant, but mm-hmm. that's not great. Um, same thing with like control. Uh, the minus two is the, probably the best mode on the card. So getting a, a mini factor fiction is a really great engine against some of the more attritiony decks, and I guess this comes in against Jund for that reason. But I've never really brought it in because I feel like I'm just not advancing. I'm not affecting the board. I'm not advancing my game plan. Yeah, this can also actually uh, be pretty decent against the mirror. 
Um, yeah, it's good in the mirror. It's plus one stops them comboing off from the Seaver X arc. Yeah. Um, it's really it's really good in the mirror. Yeah, and then <clears throat> you're actually digging for your sideboard cards because in the mirror you're bringing in, you know, Teferi, um, maybe Karanos, um, things like that, trying to, to close the game out. Um, I'm looking for space in the sideboard for some stuff, though, so Jace is kind of on the edge for me. No, that I understand. I think that this is one of the weaker sideboard cards. Yeah. Um, it doesn't seem like it, the, the role that it's serving... Um, seems like it's marginal and multiple things instead of like actually showing up a matchup you care about. Yeah, Karanos, um, really strong for the attrition matchups. Uh, Negate, I really like because it's just a little bit more catch all than Dispel. Mm-hmm. Um, Grim Lavamancer is only one of, and two Blood Moon. Blood Moon, fantastic card. Um, even now, when I think people know to play around it, still a fantastic card. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, considering trying in the main board. Yeah, no, I can I can see main burning blood moons, and you, you're going to get your opponent a lot of times in the first game. They're not going really to be expecting a blood moon. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, here are my proposed changes for for testing the next week. I want to try um, minus two to spell on the main board. Um, I, I I just don't think that I'm as interested in playing. The spell's really good. But doesn't abrupt decay. Um, trading with a lightning bolt is fine, but I'm not super excited about that. Um, and I've got other counter spells to do stuff, so I, I'd like to go minus two to spell, plus two spell pierce. So I'm still covering that base with the spell, but it's just a little more flexibility. Mm-hmm. I'm not giving my opponent lands, and if I'm playing a quicker game, it gives me a little bit more of a tempo edge in order to like just deal with more things. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to move the Twisted Image to the sideboard. I would like to um, potentially move the Spell Snare to the sideboard. That would allow me to still have three Dispels. But basically, I want to fit two Spell Pierce in here. Um, I'm not sold on having three Dispels, and I'd like another Vidalian Click. Yeah, Th- those are really the changes I'd, I'd like to try for this next week. And the anger of gods, in the and in, in the sideboard, yeah, in the sideboard, I want and the power cost just be anger of the gods. I want access to another grim lava mancer. I'm not super concerned about having Jace. So yeah, when we were testing the uh, the Merfolk matchup a lot, actually, because I was on Merfolk, yeah, um, grim lava mancer was the card that really kept the deck under control. Grim lava mancer is incredible against any of the creature decks that don't have removal and play a lot of little dudes. Yeah. So that's your, your your elves matchup, your merfolk matchup, your affinity matchup. The card is a house, right? Because we could, you know, playing lords easily gets you out of the like, you know, two for oneing through electrolyze. Eventually, you get out of bolt range of lightning bolt. Um, but Grim Lava Mancer was a card that came down, you know, on turn one and just like kept everything in check, <laughs> killed lords as they hit the table. And yeah, I think every, I think you probably won like ninety to ninety five percent of the games you landed at Grim Lava Mancer on turn one. Yeah, well, yeah, on turn one, yeah. Um, yeah, it's terrible on turn five. Yeah, on turn five, definitely not the greatest. But even then, like, you can start taking down things with Lightning Bolt and then use Grip Lava Mancer to keep them down. Yeah. Um, you can start comboing to, like, if, if you've gotten out of the range of Lightning Bolt, you can put them together to kill something. Yeah. Um, but I think that it's definitely good against a deck um, like Merfolk. I don't think it's as good against something like Zoo, uh, where, again, you hit the three power, or the three toughness problem. Uh, where Grip Lava Mancer only does two damage. So Merfolk, all your lords are two twos, uh, and all your creatures are one ones or two ones and things like that. Um, it's not going to be as good against Zoo when you have like Wild Nicodle sure. running around and Curd Apes. Um, I think that um, Anger of the Gods is much better against Zoo. 
Agreed. 100%. Bolt's fantastic against Zoo. Roast is incredible against Zoo. Having access to Roast, four Lightning Bolt, and two Anger yeah. the Gods really helps that matchup. Yeah, and Roast I think can bring down Tarmogoyf's like a champ. <laughs> oh, yeah, God. That's great. And then um, beyond that, I think that we can race them on the combo plan because they just yeah. don't have a ton of removal. Yep. Um, now, I realize these suggestions don't change the core problem with the deck that I mentioned earlier, which is it's really hard to find Splinter Twin. Yeah. But what these changes allow us to do is they allow us to interact with our opponent's game plan a little bit more proactively, I think, or mm-hmm. reactively, I, I suppose. Yeah. But the, the point is, by generalizing some of our, our interaction game one, it allows us to actually be able to, to play the beatdown game plan. Even even though we're not playing a ton of these beatdown creatures, mm-hmm. it allows us to play this beatdown game plan a little bit better in the face of some of the more diverse hate that we have in modern. Mm-hmm. So in the face of a Liliana, I'm a lot more well-equipped if I have a spell pierce than I am if I have a you know a dispel. In the face of a O-Stone, for example, I'm much better equipped if I have a spell pierce versus a dispel. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the face of a lot of things, I, I just feel like the added versatility is worth the the cost. Yeah, no, that, I, I agree with that a lot. And I mean, your dispels are usually there to protect your combo. Um, if you're trying to combo off early, your opponent still has cards to play, so yeah. they're not going to be like just passing with all of their mana up. Yeah. Usually they're passing and leaving like two mana up or one mana up, and they have like the spell that they're going to cast to try and stop you from comboing off, and Spell Pierce takes the same role and stops that. Basically. The issue is going to come when... It gets to turn 12 and I need to combo off exactly. or something. Exactly, yes, yes. And in that case, Spell Pierce doesn't really help. In, in that case, Dispel doesn't really either. Um, I mean, Dispel's going to be the hard counter, right? Like, Dispel's going to be the hard counter for the one thing they have, but if they have two things... Yeah. Um, or if they have, like... Like, Spell Pierce and Dispel are both bad in that case, and if they have any sort of interaction that is not an instant, mm-hmm. Spell Pierce is much better. Yeah. And a lot of times they will. They will have the Liliana. They will have the, the O-Stone. They will have the... The Karn, or the, um... I'm having a lot of trouble with the green-red Tron matchup. I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> um, yeah. The Spell Skite. Um, I do think Spell Pierce actually helps in that matchup way more so than Dispel. Um, we normally say, well, why would Spell Pierce help? You know, Tron's making an infinite amount of mana, basically. Um, but actually, when they hit Tron, on, you know, they have seven mana. They're like, oh, I hit seven mana, I'm going to cast Worm Coil, or... Well, not that's a bad example. Well, I have seven mana. I'm gonna cast Karn. Yeah. And well, you can spell pierce it yeah. because it costs exactly seven mana. Yeah. And I have seven mana, and, and you get cast... into that situation a lot. It basically, like slows them down a turn. Yeah, and and a turn is usually all you need. And and you know, as much as I, I I've been deriding this deck on, on being hard to find your combo, the more turns that I have where I'm alive and can cast my combo, the better off I am. And I just feel like the 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 card that's gonna give me more turns to play is gonna be spell pierce. Agreed. I think it's a good change. Yeah. I mean, it's at least worth testing, and that's what we're here for. Right. And I think, uh, you know, we're, we're running off BBD's list, and I think that, you know, he put a lot of time into this and settled on this list, saying that this is what he wanted to play. And I also think a lot of these, like a deck like Twin, comes down to play style when there's lots of decisions to be made, um, which decisions you make uh, personally, and stuff like that. So I think that the, the ideal list changes per person. Like, yeah. I don't think there's a solved list that this is the best version of Twin. I think that it's, you know, a user choice on this is the best version of Twin for me. Yeah. Kind of things like that. I think that's what we're really trying to find. Yes. So, um, here was kind of our process for, for testing this past couple of weeks. So, I, I managed to get the list together, borrowing cards and stuff, about two weeks ago. And I had uh, two sessions with Kyle where we played against the just kind of the decks Kyle had on him. 
So that means I played a lot against Merfolk. I played a lot against Affinity. I played against Lantern Control. Um, did I play against anything else? Uh, I had like a Kiki Cord built. Oh, and Kiki Cord. Yeah, Kiki Cord for a little bit. Probably change it back to Avsink. Yeah, that, that, really that deck's like not that very deck. good. <laughs> um, so we we spent two nights just jamming those matchups and also playing some standard because I have to learn standard and all these other things. Um, but but mostly just jamming those matchups and and that's kind of how we drew the conclusion that Merfolk was not a matchup that I could win. Kiki Cord was phenomenal. Really, any of the random decks was phenomenal. Um, Affinity felt good. Felt very winnable. Felt like we had re- reasonable interaction. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with spell pierce change, by the way, this, that matchup gets even better. Oh yeah, because just the, being... the spell is like only hitting galvanic blast. Yeah, in that and, and spell pierce is hitting like your your plating, dirty drum. Yeah, uh, oh, God. Opals even. oh like, can, there's dirty, so dirty, dirty, dirty. <laughs> um, but uh, so that's kind of the conclusion we came to, and then um, you know, so I, I I jammed the deck. I um, we where I work. We sometimes have playtesting lunches. I brought to a, a few of those. Um, one of our other friends is a, a Green Redtron expert, and he, he's famous for saying that like he's never lost a match against Twin. <laughs> and he's right. He's never lost a match against Twin. That matchup seems so bad when the, the Tron player is prepared for it. And I've been jamming that matchup, and it just it gives me nightmares, that matchup, when against a good Tron opponent. I think that there's not a lot of good Tron opponents that know how to play this matchup. I think that's one thing. I think the other thing is... I'm not playing that matchup very well. Um, I think I can do a lot more aggressive work to keep their lands off. I think playing Blood Moon and just finding it earlier and finding it more often helps mm-hmm. in that matchup. Because I'm not looking to just lock them. Blood Moon is not a lock against Tron in the way it is a lock against a lot of decks. Blood Moon is slows them down a couple turns. But that's really all I need because right. you know if yeah. they resolve a Karn, I'm done. If they resolve an Ugin, I'm, I'm a little less done, but it's not. I'm not happy to see that. Right. But if I can keep them off of that just for a couple turns, time walk them a little bit and help me find my card. Um, I keep harping on how this deck doesn't have the best card selection, but it still has much better card selection than, than Tron does, at least for finding more generic things. Mm-hmm. Tron can find a couple very specific things very well, but just in general, Tron's mm-hmm. not going to be able to find every card in their deck. And right. this, you know, I, I see three deep every time I cast a Serum Visions. I'm drawing, you know, I... There are a lot of games where I'll be on like turn five or six and still have seven cards because I'm just casting Remand and getting a card and casting Electrolyze and getting a card and casting Cryptic Command and getting a card. Mm-hmm. So um, we have a lot of card. A lot of our cards don't cost us a card, so we're able to cycle through our deck relatively yeah. quickly. I mean, thirteen of your cards cantrip, mm-hmm. um, and then like you have Snapcaster Mages, which can cantrip and Desolate Lighthouses to you know, get through more of your deck. So yeah, you see a lot of cards. Yeah. You still see a lot of cards. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and that's another thing I'm not doing well. I'm not uh, activating Desolate Lighthouse nearly aggressively enough. Yeah, um, I agree. Watching watching this play. Yeah. Um, Desolate Lighthouse activations, I think, have to happen any time that it's possible, yep. basically. Just do it. Yep, just do it. Um, so that's where I'm at. Um, so I'm going to be testing these changes. To, so, oh, then I brought it to FNM. I went 0 to 1 drop. <laughs> I was tilting pretty hard. I'm, I'm actually kind of not super pleased with how I handled um, that. So if any of you were my opponents on that Friday night, I apologize for my demeanor. Um, Sadly, you had to play against Merfolk. So I played against Merfolk. <laughs> this guy right here <laughs> lost that matchup in five minutes. I actually round one was against Grixis uh, Delver. Uh, I felt like I played pretty well game one. I felt like I played okay game two, but um, maybe got a little bit greedy with. Um, I put twin on a on a Snapcaster Mage. It was the only twin I'd seen, and I'd sided out two two twins uh, between game one and game two because I didn't expect a combo finish. I expected to um, play a, a more control deck. Mm-hmm. I underestimated how controlling my opponent would get, but more importantly, I uh, 
I got a little too aggressive getting the twin on the Snapcaster Mage. So when I later drew a Pestermite and my Snapcaster Mage had died and my, my Splinter Twin was in the graveyard, I had nothing doing and I sat there beating it for two a bunch of times. Right. So I lost game two and then game three went to time. And I think I actually had the edge going to time because... Yeah, I, you were going to win that. You were going to win that match. So I was watching. Yeah. Um, yeah, you are basically like a turn short. Yeah, maybe, maybe two. Um, yeah. I... I there was a combination of snaps and bolts and, and attacks that, that got me the game. And that was kind of surprising because I figured the deck with Taskers would have a much better late game. But I was able to I have better counter spells and go over the top with my permission and uh, really keep him from, from executing on his game plan. Yep. Uh, round two was against Kyle on Fish, and that went about as well as expected. And then um, round three was against a Green Red Tron player. And game one, he just had the Stone Cold nut, and uh, there was nothing I could do. Uh, just, like, turn... Two oh, turn three O oh, stone turn four Karn and I was dead. Um, and then uh, game two, I punted very very hard. I had him to one, and it's so frustrating as a, as somebody's playing these main burn spells to have somebody to one and not be able to close the door. And I I just was so frustrated with myself and frustrated with the matchups I had because I knew going in that Grixis wasn't something I was super excited to see. Fish was just the worst and uh, Tron against a good Tron player was going to be very hard. And I saw not one of my bad matchups, not two, but probably all three of my probably worst matchups. Um, <laughs> I mean, Jund is pretty bad, but I think Jund is winnable. And I think it's, it's like in the same camp as Grixis, where it's like a 40-60 matchup, mm-hmm. one way or the other, depending on the specific decks and specific pilots. Um, but Tron, I, I, I was really not looking forward to playing. And uh, on the drive home, I calmed down. I was thinking about my play, and I realized I had... Um, let him pass turn while well, I had three mana up, and in hand I had a Snapcaster Mage, and in my yard I had Bolt. And then on my turn, I Snapcaster Bolted him, got him down to one, and I couldn't attack for the win. And it was just a line that I was just tilting, and I just didn't see at the time, and mm-hmm. um, I think there was something else making it a little more complicated than that, but that's essentially what it boils down to. And that's just um, part of the difficulty of the deck is that, you know, that sounds easy saying it on the air now, right. but in the, in, the, in the moment, you're looking at your hand, and you're like, all right, I've got two dispels, a Snapcaster Mage, a Bolt, uh, Cryptic Command. Like in my yard, I've got third, you know, fifteen spells, and I've got you know this many mana. There's probably forty lines I can take. Mm-hmm. Of these lines, these lines appear to do the most damage. And if you're not somebody who's played the deck a lot and gotten a lot of experience, you're just not going to see the max damage line a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And it really, truly comes down to these one and two damage little increments because. Your beatdown plan, your burn plan, is not super resilient. Mm-hmm. It, it it it's fine. It'll, it'll get there, and especially in a matchup where your opponent's damaging themselves, it's often enough. But if you're having to go straight from twenty and really grind out every point, like I was having to do, that's a really tall order. I think. Yeah, I think when you're trying to get um, a lot better at a specific deck like this, it's it's beneficial to me to note something that I did wrong. Um, or, you know, something that I repeatedly did wrong. And then when I take it, you know, or, you know, when the first time you, you notice a lot of things. Yeah. And then when you take it to the next practice round, whether it be FNM or practicing with a friend, basically you, you just nail down on one of them. So I think a big starting point from just like watching um, us play is just taking turn with open mana. Yep. Whether or not that be activating Desolate Lighthouse checking, you know, is there something I need to snap back here so that I can, like, get some value, attack with Snapcaster. Like, 
even like you know on my turn snap kill your thing mm -hmm. is usually better than doing it on your turn right you don't want to just Absolutely. waste that mana that's just mana you wasted basically. so so patterns that i'm noticing in my general play i'm not aggressive enough with desolate lighthouse i'm not aggressive enough with snapcaster mage i tend to want to hold off my snapcaster mage to snap counter your spell or snap remove your creature i very rarely am going snap snap to your face because i feel like i need to interact with the things you're playing more Mm -hmm. And oftentimes I will pass turn with three mana up when that is a valid play. And I'm wondering if maybe I should reevaluate that stance and I should yeah. try to work toward a more aggressive stance. I think that it has to be like a very fluid deck where, yeah. you know, this you, you identifying which route you need to be on. I identifying when you're the beatdown is exactly. incredibly challenging with this deck. Yeah, I 100% I agree. I, I played this deck a couple times actually. And I did not like it because of reasons like that. Where identifying... Um, you know where I was actually at because it's so hard. You know, you're looking at your deck. You're like, okay, I have a pester mic. All I need is a splinter twin, and I win. Well, that splinter twin can be ten cards down, and then you just lose. Yeah. Right. Or there's other times where you're like, okay, I don't have any of my combo in my hand, so I'm going to you know be as aggressive as possible right now. And then you draw Pestermite and a Splinter Twin, just like back-to-back. -back. And you're like, well, I guess I'm going to try and win this way instead. And yeah. it's just the deck can change itself so fast that like evaluating it on one turn and being like, okay, I'm going to beat down 100%. And then the next turn, that can actually change. Yeah. It can change multiple times in the same game. Even. Yeah. And that makes it very hard to play. I think it's like in a, a very experienced-focused deck, I think. Yeah. I think playing it is making me a better player. I think sure. I'm, I'm getting a lot, a lot of more skills. But man, it's really hard. It would be interesting to me to ask BBD how many matches of Twin you thought he played. Yeah, like, for sure. I just want to ask him like, how many games do you think you've played with this deck? And I, I bet his answer is probably over you know 200, you know easily, uh, maybe even more. And he's just yeah, I just play this. This is the deck I play. And yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And. Um, I, it's super fun. Like everything I'm doing feels really powerful. So um, this week, my testing strategy is to uh, try to find time with Kyle uh, and work. Um, this weekend is uh, Grand Prix Sea Attack. We're both going to play Legacy. Um, probably going to scrub out of the main event. Try to get some modern grind side events. Yeah, probably. Sadly, sadly, I did not play as nearly as much Legacy as I do modern. So yeah, this yeah. Is me be either. I went to Monday Night Legacy at Card Kingdom. I was where I heard the announcement that they were going to start a 1K series, which is brilliant, by the way. And uh, I, I realized something, Kyle. What's that? I am much worse at this deck than I remember. Much worse at Legacy than I remember being. <laughs> much, much worse. It's amazing what well, six months off yeah, from format. You haven't played in a while. Yeah. Um, no, I'm on. Uh, so, so what are you on for the the Grand Prix? I'm actually playing a deck I've never played before to the, to this moment. I have not played a game of it um, against an actual opponent. So this is going to be very interesting. So what deck is it? It is a lands. So how much did this deck cost you to put together? This deck was kind of expensive. So And you've not played a game with I've it I've never yet. played a game with it, no. Um, <laughs> I've goldfished it a while. I've watched a lot of, like, you know, I watched a lot of coverage. I've seen the deck play a lot, so I know, like, how it plays. But I haven't actually played against an opponent. So um, I think, you know, Thursday I might, uh, you know, play against a real opponent. <laughs> and then uh, hopefully Saturday morning I'll be good to go and know exactly what's happening. Yeah. Um, it's fun. I think that Lands is a very fun deck to play, and it's not as common as some of the other Legacy decks, but I think that it's not as common because it is expensive, 
and a lot of the cards for it are very specific for it. Yep. Basically, not a lot of the tabernacle basically takes both of those as yeah. a seven hundred plus dollar card that has only played in lands. Um, I've seen it played in a couple other things. It, it does. It does play played Sideboard in sideboard and stuff. Things. But it, I mean, it's it's definitely not something that you see in very many decks no, yeah. like wastelands and ports and uh, just wastelands basically. I guess like ports are really only played in death and taxes and lands, <laughs> which death and taxes happens to be the other deck that I play. So yeah. <laughs> uh, I might in fact as as usual. Uh, as yeah. is tradition, and uh, I'm a huge fan of this new infect list that I'm playing. It's the one that Tom Ross took down the Star City Games uh, invitation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's sweet because it has Sylvan Library main board, and Sylvan Library um, for those of you who don't play Legacy is just the coolest card. Yeah. And uh, you know, other there are other reasons why it's sweet. Um, infect is another very skill testing deck, and uh, perhaps someday we'll talk about Infect and Legacy. It's very different than the modern counterpart. Um, so, you know, I've played both, and I really don't think the skills transfer very well. Um, but uh, perhaps one day we'll do a Legacy episode and really get into that. But GPC tag, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, modern sides. That's yeah, modern sides, that. that's the get important thing. In. You know, uh, probably going to scrub out of the main event, buy wristband, play modern all day. Play yeah. modern all day Sunday. Yep. That that sounds like a good plan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, ideally, winning the GP sounds like a better plan, but uh, you know. Yeah, uh, one of it's our always good to underplay it. One of our friends has got three buys. Show, he showed up at a, G, a GPT, and there were four other players there. And uh, yeah, uh, yep. he plays a lot of Legacy. And, yeah, he does. Uh, It'll be interesting. Yeah. He's just you know, I, I want to start the day off that way. But yeah, well, we don't get to because <laughs> we're scrubs. Um, yeah, so that'll pretty much do it for our show tonight. Um, I thanks, guess. Oh yeah. Sorry. Um, so I was just going to say one thing that I noticed. Um, this not you know ideally just playing on the twin deck when you play your cavern of souls mm-hmm. what are you gonna name you name wizard okay and the reason you name wizard is because that um gets your snapcaster mage and your videlian clique and those are actually the best creatures in your deck it also gets your teferi if you're in a cyborg game mm-hmm. um but really deceiver xr can kind of get countered pestermite can kind of get countered snapcaster mage is so much value for you that you really really need to force that through and same thing with uh, Vidalian Cleek. Yeah, and I think I think the idea is that when you're playing your Deceiver Exarch, you're going to be you know, comboing off Yeah, soon, that turn. And you can just use your Dispel to the counter their counter versus mm-hmm. like countering the kill spell. And you know, it's all the same. Right, right. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's definitely a wizard. And it seems kind of counterintuitive because you, know, you only have five wizards in your deck or whatever. But that being said, you don't have very many of any of the creature types. So. Yep. Uh, uh, that so was just something I saw in the deck that wasn't in, like, immediately obvious. I have named God to get Karanos through. <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah. Cavern on God? Um, oh, and the other thing, uh, I'm sorry to backtrack a bit uh, with testing, is we're going to, I really want to experiment with the Grixis builds of the deck. Um, Teamer also sounds appealing to me, but I I really don't know how available Tarmogoyf is going to be for me to, to get. And, you know, we talk about card availability not really being a thing on this show, but... You know the realities of play are the realities of play. And yeah, I mean, if you want to, actually, I, I'm pretty sure we can. I, I'm sure we can scrounge them up, but I'm not convinced that it's the best version of the deck. And I'm not going to go buy a bunch of Tarmogoyfs to try to, you know, get more Tarmogoyfs. And another thing with this deck that I've seen, you know, I'm trying to think of some uh, some interactions that I've seen happen, mm-hmm. mistakes before. Um, 
And I saw you, I've seen you make this once, and it mm-hmm. took you one time to learn it. But uh, on your turn, your Deceiver, Exarx, and Pester Mites actually don't have haste. Yeah, that's so right. You, you can't just play win. them and play Twin in the same turn and just yep. say you win. And I've actually had I've at had least two to or three other... Yeah, I've had... Oh, definitely seen people scoop to it. And I mean, <laughs> I've had it done against me at least like two or three other times from different players. And I'm like, okay, uh, you can't win this turn, yep. so I'm going to take turn and kill your thing. But... <laughs> But yeah, that's just something to notice. You think like, oh, I've assembled the combo, I win now. But you don't. If you yeah, I used to think, six mana, I win here. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. No. So that's a, that's another thing to, to keep in mind. But other than that, I think the deck is pretty straightforward in what the cards do. Um, putting them together in the right combination is the, the tricky the, part. The, right? it's, the, it's the lines, the yeah. interactions. The lines and, and interactions. It requires right? you to really part. have a, a really solid understanding about what matters in the format, which I think that, that part I have. I think I understand what all of the decks in the format do. Yeah. And I think I understand how they all operate and what I need to do against them. The issue is actually executing on that, being present in the game enough to, to, to be able to notice that and understanding my role in the in the game. Am I beat down? Am I the control? Mm-hmm. Am I just buying a turn? What am I doing? Yeah. No, I agree. All right. So on that bombshell, I think that brings us to the close of another episode of Versus Radio. Uh, you can reach out to us. Um, I'm more at Morgan underscore URC. Kyle's at Kyle underscore URC. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. Uh, you can reach out to us on email at radio at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Um, if you have any uh, suggestions for topics, anything we didn't cover here, vehemently disagree with our opinions or whatever, we'd love to hear from you. And, uh, you know, uh, at the end of the day, this show is about us, but it's for you. So if there's anything we're not covering that you'd like to hear more of or things we are covering and you think we're doing a poor job, we love the feedback. Yeah, we're trying to get on to everything that we hear. So. Yep. Yep. All right. So, uh, yeah, uh, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to hear from you guys again next week.